passion fruit passion fruit I know that's a real thing but that's not the thing that we're talking about passion fruit um, let me ask you a question um, have you ever been loved beyond what you deserve like consciously like you can identify yeah you know who man I don't really deserve this I don't really deserve him I don't really deserve her like man they just too nice y'all are too kind you know you, you I kind of get that feeling every birthday uh, you know you're, if you're on Facebook then a good 10 to 20 percent of your Facebook friends will just you know take a couple moments out of their day to type a happy birthday some of the you know some of the people that really like you might even go extra and and say something you know give you like a little spiel in your birthday or give you a little graphic or something like that uh, make you feel real special they just make you feel loved on your birthday uh, and so I, I know that I haven't done anything to deserve their consideration for those couple of moments and for the people that call and text and sing and love like I haven't necessarily earned that and so yeah I kind of feel like I'm loved beyond uh, what I deserve I haven't really earned that kind of love but that's a minor level and I'm not demeaning it. it's just a minor level compared to the undeserved love grace commitment stability and awesomeness i receive from dr aaron d almond wife dr wife when i talk about being loved beyond what i deserve and when i think about my birthday last tuesday turned 42 um when i think about that i think about just how good god is in choosing people uh to 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 be with you uh, if you follow him and his guidance and i've preached on uh relationships before and i'm not pretending to be anybody's expert but laying out biblical principle and praying that we would follow them and how we court <laughs> that's an old word isn't how we pursue a mate for this life uh, I, I want to just express my my love to you uh, my heart to you and my recognition that the love that I receive from you is not necessarily at a level that I mean it's not what I deserve I don't deserve so much patience I don't deserve so much grace. I don't deserve so much consistency. I don't necessarily deserve it, you know, because I got to be honest with y'all about your pastor. Like, I'm not always easy to get along with. Okay, shock, surprise, awe. You know, I'm not always easy to get along with. I can be driven with tunnel vision, and sometimes I may act in a way that lacks that seasoned wisdom. I can be frustrated in dis-ease about decisions and it's only sometimes I'm really helping in the kitchen. I mean, I'm not necessarily the greatest husband in the world. I like to think that I'm progressing, you know, as I get older and more wise, but let's be real about it. Like the way that she's consistent and patient, the way that she gives me grace, the way that she doesn't fuss me out when she could, like man she loves me beyond what i deserve like when you love somebody to the level they deserve that's conditional and so i'm not saying she's perfect that her love you know never you know that she never wants to smack me upside the head or never gives me crazy looks i mean she's a 
she's human. I was about to say, she's a sister, but I'm not going to give all y'all, all of my sisters. I love my sisters. I'm not going to give y'all a bad rap. But, you know, she she's not to be trifled with. <laughs> but she does love me. Um, and I don't deserve it. I'm loved beyond what I deserve. She shows a consistency in her love with, without regard to situations, without regard to whether I'm killing it or being killed, with, without regard to whether I feel like I'm succeeding or I feel like I'm failing. Um, her love is still there. And so it's one thing to recognize that you are loved, but it's another thing to embrace that you are loved. Many of us have an issue because we can recognize academically, intellectually with, you know, analyzing the proof that we are loved, but we don't necessarily embrace it and all that it means. We got our walls up. We got our guard up. We've been hurt too many times. We we can't really trust like we still have father wounds or mother wounds or we just haven't been received like honestly allowed ourselves to receive enough counsel and wisdom to break down the walls and, and see situations from a more mature perspective. Um, and so that thing that affects our relationships in regular everyday with people, it's the same thing. Those challenges are the same thing that um, affect us with God. Like I know people and I've had conversations with people, some in the church that, you know, they they walk with a fear, not confident of their position with God, not confident. Uh, they, they proclaim belief in him, but are still not confident that they are secure with him. Uh, and, and that's not necessarily the way that the Lord um, would have us to uh, reconcile our relationship with them. Um, and so I, it's, it's like we don't necessarily have a problem recognizing that God loves us. I mean, we trust if we're believers in the Lord, uh, we trust that God is our creator. We trust that we are made in his image. We trust that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that he's the son of God. We trust that. We have confidence in that as fact. Um, and we believe that Holy Spirit moves and we've been in church and we've seen people get prayed for and fall out. And, and we felt something sometimes, the tingle in our spine, the heat running up our chest. Um, we, we've, we felt Holy Spirit. We felt his nudge. We've heard his quiet whisper. And so we we have an academic knowledge um, and, and understanding of who God is and how he presents himself. Uh, but at the same time. Well, if we're talking, getting back to the series idea of treating you right, like you treat you right, you love yourself well, there's more to you treating you right than just seeing what exists and just recognizing what is. There's more to it than that. You can't just know the truth. You have to know the truth and be set free. You have to embrace what is and welcome the implications of it. Okay. Uh, and so that battle, like I said, it's one of the reasons why, why, so many of us so consistently have internal wrestles. I, I asked in our Facebook group for people to mention, you know, things that areas that where they would like us to touch on in the series. And, and many of them were dealing with stuff on the inside, like how we handle relationships, how we handle um, stress, how we handle uh, our own bodies. You know, there were there are and, and I'll kind of touch on these as we flow through the next few weeks uh, more specifically. But. We have this we have this like confidence that we are believers in the Lord and confidence that we are believers in Christ. But at the same time, we have a wrestle to embrace and feel all of what that means. OK, and, and what that means is that God has a passion for us. 
Like we're hoping in the Lord. Well, it's a good place to hope because God has a passion for us. And if we're looking at the dictionary, what we're seeing is that uh, there's this definition of passion. And I looked up Merriam-Webster and I looked at just straight Google define, you know, passion. And I, I kind of, you know, got this basic uh, paraphrase that I'm putting together. It's like passion is strong emotion that leads to action strong emotion that leads to action and so you can be talking about passion like enthusiasm or excitement where you know you're talking about an athlete or somebody in their passion for the game you know that's why they you know michael jordan did what he did that he was d documenting the last dance that's why kobe you know didn't respect other people's hustle because of how you know the passion he had for the game etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know it's why lebron spends a million dollars a year just on main maintaining his body right there's a passion um it's all basketball references it's my favorite sport and i'm we're kind of in a drought i need i'm just looking at free agent news all the time anyway um there's enthusiasm excitement when it comes to passion there's also anger when we talk about passion and you talk about crimes of passion where you know the man walked in and you know the wife was cheating on him and something happened that's that's the opening scene of minority report i'm sorry about that yeah uh but yeah um there's these situations where you do something out of just intense emotion you know like one of my not favorite things is the one of the things i hated when i was dealing with students as a dean of students was trying to examine why they went so hard at such a, at a situation that didn't deserve it and they're just like miss Holm, i got mad and i just blacked out you got mad and you just blacked out in the real world you might get shot just blacking out like you better be glad you chose the safest place you could possibly do you know just black out at because it's such a passionate rage just so angry couldn't control yourself yeah and uh, you know a lot of times it turns out oh you do remember you explaining it to me right now but the point being uh we use that strong emotion of anger as well and describe it as passion um and then there's the adult oriented i don't know if y'all watch with kids uh or young kids because older kids when i say adult oriented passion they already know what i'm talking about so just let's take that and you know slide the screen but um and, and we know what kind of action that leads to in marriage it should lead to action in singleness it should lead to prayer <laughs> hallelujah all right now that's passion as described in English but if you look at the root or the history of the word passion um, there's an uh, there's an original Latin meaning in a, to the term and it means actually to suffer to endure to bear right and so if we're going to talk about passion and with church we're talking about the passion of the Christ if we're going to talk about the passion of the Christ what that is is that week before in, and including like basically Jesus Christ's last week on earth is looked at as the passion of the Christ and I believe that the passion of the Christ fulfills both definitions I mean he loves us so much he's got a, such a strong passionate love for us that he dedicated his life to our reconciliation with the Father I mean his whole life everything he did all of his public ministry um, was was dedicated to bringing us together with the Lord uh, with the Father in heaven and so there's absolutely passion there but then in addition there's the second definition of passion and that is that that last week of his life required him enduring 
a conspiracy that led to his arrest, then conviction on fraudulent charges, and then the cross and crucifixion. His passion, his suffering led to a blessing for us. God's passion produced a fruit for us to receive. Amen. Amen. God's passion produced a fruit for us to receive. I'm going to get ready to get into my to my text in a second, but I just want us to get a grasp and an understanding of that. Like how often, like, uh, how often would you purposefully choose to endure suffering for somebody's benefit? Christ even addresses this. It's like most people will only dare to, you know, maybe dare to die for a good person uh, or a good friend. But he demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't deserving of the display of love, yet his passion led to his passion. His strong emotion led to his willingness to suffer for us. And so that passion is not just some abstract thing. And, and I think that that's one, one area where we really where we really struggle is we take Jesus, the Christ, and place him 2000 years ago in history where he was living. And for many of us, our day to day reality leaves him there. But Christ rose. If you trust and believe that Christ rose, type a amen, a 100, a hallelujah, because Christ rose. He lives. It's because he lives that we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we have salvation. Because he lives, we have a tomorrow. Because he lives, we have an opportunity to reside with him in eternity. Because he lives, we've been promised abundant life. Because he lives, our prayers are, are heard. Because he lives, our sins can be parted as far from us as east is from west. Because he lives... I am redeemed because he lives. I've been bought with a price because he lives. He's changed my whole life. Amen. It's because he lives. Because he lives. He's a right now God. He's a I exist in the moment. I exist in eternity God. Now, the challenge for us is that we have a problem understanding it in the flesh. And so if we look in the text and the text, the, the first text I'm going to is brief. It's actually a, a short excerpt of a longer conversation from the week of the Passion of the Christ. It's actually the week of Passover. And we're it. I want to just drop you into the Last Supper. And Jesus has already washed his disciples feet. Um, and they're sitting down to talking. They're beginning this conversation. And I'm just going to pull a couple of verses. And they're going to be from John chapter 14. I'm just going to read verses 15 through 17. Uh, verses 15 through 17. Okay. Uh, and that reads. Jesus talking, of course, Last Supper. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He goes on to explain a little bit more, but I just want to just park right there. And help us understand uh, this 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 train of with usness. 
Um, God the Father existed in, in the relationship between him and humanity is detailed in the Old Testament. He would visit us. I mean, he started off in complete fellowship with us. Adam and Eve sinned. And so from Adam and Eve sin on, he has visited us and he has anointed specific men and women to prophesy, anointed as kings, anointed as um, prophets, priests, kings to do the work of the kingdom of God. Um, and at an appointed time in time uh, that we we didn't know, they didn't know, but we're aware of historically uh the father sent the son john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever might believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life for he did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but sent him to the world um so that through him it might be saved and that is my paraphrase of john three sixteen and 17. the father sent the son for a season to establish relationship between God and man or to reestablish intimate relationship with God and man. Um, the word of the Lord was very rare in like for 400 years prior to John the Baptist and Christ um, coming on the scene. And so they had the word, but there was a distance and Jesus came to re to restore personal, intimate fellowship with God between the people and their Lord. And so Jesus serves his, he lives 33 years. The last three years only are his public ministry. That's a word for all of us to think that we need to be the superstar in day one. Like Jesus knew who he was and still for 30 years, he was behind the scenes. It wasn't until he was 30 years old that he even began his public ministry um, and only had public ministry for three years. And look at the impact. 2000 years later, there are Christians on all inhabited continents and spread out and distributed amongst all the continents. Um, more wide and varied distribution among ethnic groups than any other religious faith. And there's a reason for that. It's because Christ is true king. But moving past that. Uh, the father sent the son for a season to establish this relationship, this face to face relationship, this in the flesh relationship. And for some of us, it would be easier for us to believe God at his word if we could see Christ in the flesh. But let's not be twisted like they always the people that saw him in the flesh always were faith filled. They had him right in front of them. And sometimes they still doubted. They still messed up. Peter was famously a big mouth. Thomas doubted the resurrection and said after hearing him, hearing him, hearing him, seeing him perform miracles, still doubted that he rose from the dead. And was like, if I don't get my fingers in those holes in his hand, I don't believe it. And so what did Jesus do? He showed up in the room and said, here, put your hand in that right there. Put your finger in there. I'm I'm real. And there's so many other. Of course, Judas, a man he chose, ended up being the vehicle for his destruction, for his um, conviction and his crucifixion. And so um, just because you saw God in the flesh, just because you saw Christ in the flesh, didn't mean that you embraced the fullness of what it means to have a relationship with God. And so we sit here like, man, I wish we could. Seeing it in person would not necessarily guarantee us that we'd be doing better. Regardless of our situation and status, we as believers have difficulty, have had difficulty, and will continue having difficulty taking the truth of who God is and then receiving it into our hearts and allowing it to govern the way we think, okay, in all the areas that matter. And so, Jesus, knowing he's going to leave, 
knowing he's going to be gone soon um, lets them on lets them in on the secret that we have passed down to us through the Apostle John um, that the son is going to ask the father to send the spirit to be with us and to be in us now that's powerful because Christ is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus is God with us. And so he's telling him he's leaving, but he's sending he's sending a representative. He's sending Holy Spirit who is like him, who is God with us now. And so he says here again, if I look at it again, it's like I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate, another comforter, another helper. He will give you. And it'll be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. That spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. That spirit of truth is Holy Spirit. It is how we experience God today in real time. Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit is with us, as the scripture says. And as believers in Christ, he is in us. Holy Spirit is with us. Holy Spirit is in us. I taught this before that, you know, the progression is God above us to God with us to God in us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And with us, because together we as the church are called what? The body of Christ. Yeah. So he's with us. He's among us and he's in us. OK. And so that spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit doesn't just come to be a passive passenger in our lives. Holy Spirit is sent to take over. Holy Spirit is sent into a dead soul to make it alive again. We are, excuse me, a dead spirit. We are dead spiritually. Holy Spirit brings us to life. We are reborn. We've been born of flesh and then we're born of spirit. And Holy Spirit lives inside of us, dwells inside of us. And that means that who you were is not who you are when you're in Christ and so the way that we think should change and so what happens is the world has taught us a tame Christianity that doesn't fully embrace everything that it means to love the Lord and live with the Lord and have Holy Spirit inhabiting us so that we still hold on to our old reasonings our, uh, you know stuff from our old life the way that we thought the way that we process we hold on to those things because they're we trust them we we found them dependable because they've been there for the past how many of us hold on to inconvenient habits or or bad thought patterns because we're used to them not because they serve us but because we're used to them we're more familiar with them than we are living in the fullness of holy spirit and since some of us walk in faith less than we walk in fear we give in to the fear we allow the fear to lead us we allow the fear to guide us and it breeds anxiety and distrust and skepticism and paranoia and all of these things that run counter to holy spirit and we are at war with spiritual warfare understand that it is spiritual warfare can you understand do you understand the term spiritual warfare? it is not a game it's not game theory this isn't a tactic if you are thinking of yourself if you are beholden to captured by mental spiritual strongholds that prevent you from embracing the truth of God about him and about you well you're in spiritual warfare and so I want us to understand here that what we have is a spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, to lead us into all truth, to guide us into all truth, to advocate 
for us when we accuse ourselves to advocate for us when the enemy accuses us um, to be there with us um, along the entire journey of our natural lives okay and so when I look at this and, and, and it teaches us that the world those that do not believe the world uh, neither they can't accept him because they can't see him or know him but we know him because we know Christ and he's with us and he's in us and so he's not in us just for fun he's in us because he is there to change things we've been reborn and now there has to be a new life there has to be new fruit I go to Galatians and I feel like I end up preaching or teaching from Galatians chapter 5 every year and so uh, I just want to just briefly establish here uh, that there is a there are acts of the flesh uh, and, and when we are ruled by our flesh we fall into these areas uh, when and and there's also a fruit of the spirit and so let's look um, in Galatians chapter 5 verse Let's just do 19. Start at 19 and go through 23 or 24. It says, this is the Apostle Paul to the Church of Galatia. Um, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness orgies and the like I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God so it's pretty clear like all of these things these are the acts of the flesh these are sinful rebellion against God now people of God this is for you that's for the people of the world that's for the flesh that's for people ruled by the flesh this is for the people of God but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus has Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit and then he goes on to say let us not become conceited provoking and envying one another again that's acts of the flesh but we are to have the fruit of the spirit and let me help you understand <laughs> you do have the fruit of the spirit it's been given to you because holy spirit has been given to you and holy spirit is not a gift that comes void and so holy spirit has been given to us he's been sent to us he's been sent to be with us and in us and so holy spirit um produces holy fruit holy spirit produces spiritual fruit holy spirit produces the fruit of the spirit and so while many of us struggle to love and reason with ourselves and in a way that um, would be a blessing to others if we treated them the same way, we're, we're not slaves to that. We're, we're, if we're slaves to anything, it's slaves to Christ. And Holy Spirit has given us freedom and liberty in Christ. And so you think about the difficult, challenging, negative uh, parts of how you treat you how you think about you and I want you to think about what would happen what happens when you crucify them and you allow Holy Spirit to fill you like you put them on the cross Christ died for those sins Christ died for those acts of the flesh he rose with all power to send us Holy Spirit 
and then to await us as he prepares our place. And so I'm hoping that I'm more than a product of my emotions and my baggage. Amen. I'm hoping that I'm more than the mistakes that I've made. I'm hoping that I am more and I am more valuable than how any person could commodify me, than any salary I could make, than any size house I could occupy. I am hoping that since I have a relationship with the supernatural, almighty, all powerful, eternal and abundant life giving God, that if his spirit lives in me, the fruit of that life together, the fruit of that should change everything about me everything not my specific personality but everything about the way i deal with me and then thus the way i deal with him and the way i deal with others that fruit that fruit of the spirit has nine characteristics imagine like uh imagine it like a strawberry a piece of fruit which turns out it's not a berry i was not aware of this it's like telling me that pluto's not a planet anymore it's traumatizing something my daughter taught me that a banana is a berry y'all gonna have to check me on this fact checkers to work a banana is a berry but a strawberry is not a berry because the seeds are on the outside okay that's what my daughter taught me uh, if it's wrong she's 12 blame her <laughs> not me but um Fruit has seeds, fruit has skin, fruit has flesh. I mean, and if you break it down, it's got, you know, sugar. What is fruit sugar? Fructose. Ah, it's got that. Fruit has water in it. There are different elements that make up that piece of fruit, right? There's different characteristics that make up that piece of fruit. And so it is a piece of fruit, but it's not just a piece of fruit. Each piece of fruit has its own characteristic. And so if I give you an orange, it's got an or the peel, the, the skin that you peel off. And then you got the, the little sections and it's a it's a piece of fruit. It has its own unique characteristics. If I if I put an orange in your hand and then I put an apple in your hand and asked you to describe the two, that each one would have different characteristics. And so when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, I'm going to take my fruit of the spirit here. And if I ask you to describe the fruit of the spirit. I'm asking you to describe the fruit of the spirit as it is listed here. Well, here's the fruit. What's that fruit look like? It looks like um, love, joy, peace, forbearance, um, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what it looks like. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. And I and a mindset where we're ready to not just recognize that but embrace that would lead us in a place where we would have a much more healthy whole um, perception of and love for and treatment of self and so what I'm planning to do which I thought I was going to do this week but I'm absolutely going to do next week is I'm going to dig in I'm going to begin digging in and as of right now it's going to be three fruit at a time so next week I'm going to jump in and begin digging into um, how uh, the these the first three characteristics of um, the fruit of the spirit play out in our lives and, and how it how it can fight against some of the lives we've expect accepted and some of the troubles we've encountered because we don't have a full mature understanding of the hope um, that should be based in the God of the fruit to give the fruit and for the 
for when I consume the fruit, like when you consume the nutrients, like when you consume fruit, you're consuming the nutrients. So they say, you know, oranges, they got vitamin C and you got blah, blah, blah. All of it, like when we consume the fruit of the spirit, we should produce things that um, look like, feel like what the fruit of the spirit would produce. And so um, in a spiritual, supernatural way, that means if love is something we're consuming and embracing, that means that unconditional love should come out from us. If we're love embracing the joy of the Lord, then joy of the Lord should come out of us. If we are embracing the peace of the Lord, then the peace of the Lord should come out of us. And, and so as you can see that there's like a, a spiritual replacement. It's like knee replacement. You're taking the old damaged um, from the old body, getting rid of it and replacing it with that which is not without flaw. Excuse me, that with that that is without flaw. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And so what I want us to do right now is pray. Uh, we're going to close out. We're going to pray. Uh, we're going to pray for um, just open hearts and minds to receive the fullness of the fruit of the spirit, the fullness of the fruit of the spirit. Many of us, uh, what happens is, and this is just Holy Spirit adding on because I was ready to pray. What happens is that some of us are more comfortable with part with some characteristics of the fruit than others. And so some of us are very legalistic and we we're like, yo, I've got self-control locked down because I don't do these wrong things. Um, but our kindness or our um, our patience is, is off. Um, some of us are very, very patient and we're like, you know, I, I can deal with anything. I can take it slow. But you also lack discipline and self-control. And so we got to recognize that the fruit of the spirit, like we're taking the whole fruit and to embrace the whole fruit uh, and allow it to cleanse us and nurture us and provide nutrition for us so that our lives look different. All right. Our lives will look different. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, I praise you right now for all that you are, all that you do. I thank you for this time that we've had together. And it's gone by so fast, Lord. But I pray that in this introductory moments to this subsection of this series, Lord, that you have laid the groundwork for us to be blessed. Laid the groundwork for us to receive your favor. Laid the groundwork for us to have a more healthy sense of self. Laid the groundwork for a biblical sense of self-love. I pray that you would align our hope in you and I pray that we would trust the fruit of the spirit and receive it growing in understanding and pursuing the fullness of the experience of being with you, not limiting ourselves to what we think we're already good at, but understanding the fruit of the spirit is ninefold in one, not pick and choose a la carte that we want it all. You're feeding it all to us, Lord. Let it all bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray that you will protect us, keep us, continue to um, deal with us with compassion. Lord, lead us to act in compassion. We pray for as there is turmoil, suffering, and struggle on in mass all across the world, from the world dealing with COVID to um, the United States dealing with the hurricanes to the islands dealing with earthquakes to um, Afghanistan and the Middle East continuing to be in turmoil, Lord. We just pray that you would lead and guide, that you would provide comfort supernaturally, that you would um, provide relief in the natural and the supernatural, that you would lead and guide all of your people to contribute to the blessing of the world around us. And Lord, whatever we can't help, Lord, 
I pray that we would lean in with you in prayer, praying for the blessing, praying for the, the power of and the presence of the Lord in every person's situation. Lord, we pray that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're our rock, you're our redeemer, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.